to you. Great to, uh, great to be together. Hey, uh, parents with kids in here, I want to just reaffirm what Logan said. Uh, we know uh, might be a little more noise in here. Uh, be at peace. It's okay. It's uh, great that you could be here with your kids today. Well, um, I recently read a New York Times article. Uh, from, uh, it was actually from April of 22. It's entitled, How Loneliness is Damaging Our Health. And uh, the article chronicles a number of people's experiences with loneliness, and particularly how the pandemic affected their experience of loneliness. Along with those stories that people, of what people have experienced, it also uh, looked a lot of the research and, and studies related to loneliness and, and how loneliness has negative consequences on us, uh, just what the impact of not being connected to others. Here's a short excerpt from it. It said, even before the pandemic... The United States Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said the country was experiencing an epidemic of loneliness, driven by the accelerated pace of life and the spread of technology into all of our social interactions. With this acceleration, he said, efficiency and convenience have edged out the time-consuming messiness of relationships. The result is a public health crisis on the scale of the opi- opioid epidemic or obesity, said doc- Dr. Murthy said. In a 2018 study by the Kaiser Family Foundation, one in five Americans said they always or often felt lonely or socially isolated. The pandemic only exacerbated these feelings. Loneliness, Dr. Murthy said, has real consequences to our health and well-being. Being lonely like other forms of stress, increases the risk of emotional disorders like depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Less obviously, it also puts people at greater risk of physical ailments that seem unrelated, like heart disease, cancer, stroke, hypertension, dementia, and premature death. Loneliness has real consequences to our health and our well-being. Of course it does, right? I mean, we know that we are created for relationship. We are created for relationship. The scriptures declares that it is true, right? We are created in the image of a God who is three in one, a triune God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit who dwells together in a community of love and oneness. God created Adam, and even before sin entered into the world, God said it's not good for him to be alone, and so he fashioned Eve to be a companion that they could dwell together in the covenant of marriage. The the studies and the people's experience, I mean, they're just revealing what Scripture says to be true, right? We need each other. We need each other. In the spiritual realm, the same is true. We need each other. We need each other to be spiritually healthy. We need each other to to be able to grow up into everything that God has for us. Here's how Gordon MacDonald articulates how important community is in his book, A Resilient Life. He says, the faith taught to so many of us is a faith of individualism. It centers heavily on the transaction between Jesus and me. It rarely focuses on the idea of Jesus and us. It was some of my Asian Christian friends who began to convince me that there's an entirely different way to understand the Bible through the lens of community, God doing his work in our lives through one another. In other words, I cannot grow into what God wants me to be and do unless I am in tight formation with some others. McDonald is absolutely 
right. When he says that we cannot be, we cannot do what God wants for us if, if we're not in tight formation with at least a few others. God does so much of his work in our lives through our relationships with one another. I mean, we, we need so much from God. We need everything from God in terms of our growth, right? But so often he doesn't give us those things directly. He gives them through our relationships with one another. We need one another. One of the ways we see how God works in us and through us in healthy spiritual community is something that's been called the one another's of Scripture. Some of you have looked at these. Some of you have studied these. The phrase one another, it's a translation of a Greek pronoun that is a reciprocal pronoun, which means it's, there's this kind of mutual thing. It's, it's there are commands to carry out these one another's, but it flows both ways. They are things that we are to do for each other. This pronoun shows up 100 times in the New Testament, but over 50 of these times, it's about our relationships in the family of God. It's our relationships, it's about our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ, things that we are to, to believe and to do and not do for each other's benefit. We're going to look at a few of these this morning. There's, there's way too many. If, if you want to look at the full list, I'll, I'll attach a, 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 our servants always get posted on the website later in the week. And at the, end, at the bottom of my manuscript, I will give you kind of the full list of the one and others. But this morning, we're just going to look at five of these. My hope is that in just looking at these five, you will become convinced or convinced more deeply how important it is that, that if I'm going to walk as a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to grow up into all the things that God has for me that I need to be connected in relationship. I need to be experiencing community. So we're going to look at five of these, each one fairly briefly. So first one is this. We are to love one another. We are to love one another. It's the most repeated one another. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By all this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's in there three times, right? Love one another. <clears throat> it's interesting that Jesus calls this a new command because there were commands in the Old Testament to, to love our neighbor, right? What makes this new, I believe, is that Jesus intensifies this command. He, he says we are to love as he has loved. That's why it's new. We, we love in the way that, that Jesus loved. And the way he loved us, of course, is by laying down his life. And so we're called to love each other as Jesus did in a sacrificial way, at times at great personal cost, for each other's good. We are to love one another in everything that means. Here's a second one another. We are to motivate one another to a life of love and good deeds. We are to motivate one another to a life of love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When we live in community with each other, we are able to stir up one another to love and good deeds, to good works. And this word stir up, it, it's a strong word. It, it has a sense of provoking. It has a sense of in, inciting someone to, to take action. And so uh, it means that we cause someone to do what is loving. We cause someone to do what is good in terms of the good deeds. 
And it says we are to consider how to do this, right? It's, it's not just something that happens randomly. We are to give careful thought to this. This is only possible if we are close enough to some to know what the issues are in their life, right? We need to be in spiritual community so we know how, so we can discern how to motivate each other to love and good deeds. And the author points out the only way we can do this is if we meet together, right? It's as we meet together. It's in the gathering in a consistent way that we get to know each other well enough that we can have this ministry in each other's lives. In the context of Hebrews, the, the, the stirring up of each other is in the context of remaining faithful in one's walk with Jesus. They were experiencing some pressure to, to turn away from their, their walk with Jesus, turn away from faithfulness to Jesus. And so he's urging them to not neglect meeting lest that be the end result. The stakes were high for them, that meeting together, spurring each other on, the stakes were high. And you know what? The stakes are high for us as well. If we neglect to meet together, we're more vulnerable to our hearts growing cold. If we neglect to meet together, we're more vulnerable to turning from faithfulness to Jesus. And so who spurs you on in your walk with God? Who are you spurring on in their walk with God? Are you meeting with others in a way where this actually is taking place? And I know this is, this is hard. There's a lot of challenges to meeting together in, in this kind of way. This, this involves the time-consuming messiness of real relationships that Dr. Murthy talked about in that, that quote. But the value is simply too great to miss this. We need to be spurring one another on to love and good deeds. We need each other. I was thinking about uh, this week, Cindy and I have been married 36 years, be 37 years later uh, this, this spring, and during that whole time, we have met with others in smaller groups for spiritual purposes. During that whole time, I, I can't think of a, a chunk of more than just little bits of time, but that we have met with others in smaller groups because of the benefit, of, because of how much we value it. Think about it, even when, when we were in seminary, when I was in seminary, we moved to Southern California. So it was a new church, a new community of people. We had four kids, ages seven to a baby. And seminary was demanding, and church was 15 miles away. But we still met with the group. And, and we knew, I mean, it, you, I know what it's like when you're younger with, with kids, right? I mean, the, the cost of the babysitter and just the, the, the pressure of all that. I mean, but we still valued it so much that we did. We, we, because it mattered that we were in a place where we could spur one another on, where we could do that in other people's lives, and they could do that for us. We need each other. Here's a third one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to encourage one another. That actually is in the Hebrews 10 passage we just looked at, but let me read another one from Hebrews. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. It's the same word as encourage in verse, or chapter 10. This word can have the sense of comforting or consoling someone. It can kind of have that sense, but it can also have a stronger sense of urging and exhorting to action. We're to encourage one another. We're to exhort one another. We, we are to 
to do this with a view of helping each other live a certain way. And the author of Hebrews here says this is to be done when? Every day. Every day. It's to be a regular thing, which again suggests that we need to have some people in our lives that we're with enough in a, in a close enough relationship where this can actually happen. <laughs> we need... <laughs> Love that. Love that. <laughs> Good time for a drink of water. <laughs> we need to have this kind of encouragement from others. The author says, so they're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Again, in the context of Hebrews, it's about turning away from faithfulness to Jesus. It's about, uh, you know, leaving that, that, that walk behind. Sometimes we need this encouragement in the battle, Right? We need encouragement from God to keep moving forward, to keep pressing on. And I believe God does want to encourage us, but so often his encouragement comes in the form of another person. I've mentioned this before a number of times, but I have a friend that I've met with for 20 years, 20 years. Uh, reached out to him 20 years ago, just like, hey, can we start meeting for encouragement and accountability? So we meet about twice a month for lunch. And the purpose is to encourage each other. And so sometimes the encouragement is more in the comforting, consoling realm. Sometimes it's more the urging, exhorting to, to do a, you know, something, live a certain way, to believe something, to take action in a certain way. He does that for me, and I do that for him. I have no doubt that that relationship has been so important in my journey with Jesus, in my walk with Jesus. We need each other. Who encourages you in your walk with God? Who are you encouraging in their walk with God? We need each other. Here's a fourth one another. We're to spiritually build up one another. We're to spiritually build up one another. Romans 14, 19 says, so then let us pursue what makes for, makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Mutual upbuilding. The word mutual, that's the, the ESV translation of one another. But I love that because it makes very plain the reciprocal nature, right? It's, it's mutual upbuilding. And upbuilding has a sense of edifying, building others up spiritually. And Paul says we are to pursue this. We don't just hope this happens. We don't let it happen randomly. We pursue it. There's intentionality here as we seek to build up one another spiritually. There's a lot of ways this happens. I think the scripture describes a lot of ways this happens. The words that we speak to each other builds up, right? Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth in love. Grace, speaking words of grace and truth. We build up when we extend forgiveness, when that is needed. We build up when we express grace and acceptance to one another in the way that Jesus would express those things. All of this builds up believers. Scriptures also describes how God has given us, every believer, a spiritual gift. And, uh, you know, whether it's teaching or leadership or administration or mercy or hospitality or whatever it is, God gives us these gifts so that when we come together in an interdependent way, we use these gifts to mutually build up one another. Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about when there's this proper working of each individually, individual part of the body builds itself up in love. And so it, through the spiritual gifting, 
again, all this suggests we have to be coming together, we have to be meeting together, that we could build up one another spiritually. Are you experiencing the kind of community where there are others who are seeking to build you up spiritually? Are you showing up in places where you're seeking to build others up spiritually? Again, much of what God wants to do in your life, he's going to do it through other people. We need each other. Here's the last one another we're going to look at. We're to bear one another's burdens. We are to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Verse 1 gives us instructions for how the body of Christ is to deal with someone who is caught in sin, stuck in, in sin. It says those who are spiritual should seek to restore that person. And then it says we are to bear one another's burdens. And uh, burdens, it literally means weight, but, but often when that's used in the New Testament, it's an oppressive weight. It's a heavy thing. And so in the context here, it, it surely is referring to the sin of, of chapter 1, but I think there's a much broader application to any kind of oppressive burden that we find ourselves under. We are to bear one another's burdens. In this room, there are heavy burdens that we're carrying, right? It might be a sin, like Paul's talking about here. It might be shame. It might be loneliness, anxiety, depression. It might be some other kind of mental health challenge. It might be some kind of uncertain future might be some kind of loss. Paul says we are not to bear these burdens alone. We are to bear one another's burdens. Sometimes the burdens we are under can become so great they cause us to lose hope. But if we have others with us, if we have others that are shouldering the burden with us, it can help us. Keep taking a step forward. And in fact, sometimes these can become some of our moments of greatest growth when we're facing a burden, but there's someone else under there with us, and we continue to trust God in the midst of those things. It can become times of great growth. Who is helping you bear your burdens? And where are you showing up to help someone else bear their burdens? We need each other. We need each other. God has created us for community. These are just five of the one another's. There are many others, but hopefully this is enough to help you get the picture that we need each other. Hopefully this is enough to help you understand and believe that much of what God wants to do in your life is through others in the body of Christ. If you're seeking to walk as a growing, healthy disciple of Jesus... You must be in community. You must be in a, a kind of community where the one and others are actually happening. 
So as we come to the end, I, I have a couple of thoughts. I would just a couple of thoughts I want to suggest in terms of application to help you kind of lean into this. And the, the first is simply this. Reject the lie that growing in your faith is something that you do alone. Reject the lie that growing in your faith is something that you do alone. Reject that lie if it's a lie that you believe, right? I mentioned Gordon McDonald's comment earlier that, that many of us are taught a, a faith of individualism. Um, our culture loves individualism, right? When we're so influenced by our culture. In our culture, we tend to think we have arrived when I don't need anybody. When I can be solely independent, I've arrived, I've, I've matured, right? That, that's kind of what our culture wants us to buy into. That is a cultural lie that we need to reject because we do need each other. We are created for relationship. We are created to, to need each other. God designed it this way. And so if there's any sense of the culture influencing, you're, you're thinking that, that it's just you and Jesus, my encouragement would be to continue to reject that as, as something that's not biblical. It's just not true. Secondly, I would encourage you to do some self-reflection and ask yourself, are you, are you truly in community, the kind of community where the one and others are happening? Not just, you know, gathering with friends and having fun. That, that's great. We should do that. But are you gathering in a kind of community where the one and others are actually happening? And I know some of you would say yes, that you are absolutely experiencing community. You are, you are thriving in community. And if that's the case, praise God. Continue to lean into that. Continue to go deeper in that community. That is an amazing thing. But I know that others of you would say, I am not experiencing this in my life. And so my encouragement to you is find ways to connect in community. Find ways to connect in spiritual community. Make it a prayer. Begin to pray as we enter into this new year. God, would you help me find a community of friends that, that I'm really doing life with, that, that, that's true spiritual community where the one and others are happening. For some, connecting in community may mean that as much as you've loved the comfort of mostly staying home and joining us from a distance, that you need to begin showing up and joining us, gathering with us. Now, there's sometimes reasons we need to stay home, and, and we'd love that you can do that, but it may mean that you need to move out from what's been comfortable and easy for a couple years and begin showing up. But even if what you do is, is, you know, if you're showing up regularly, if this is the only experience, if this is the only extent of your gathering with other believers, you're still missing out on what God wants to do in your lives. Now, we, we hope the one and others happen when we gather here on Sunday mornings. I believe they do happen. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. But there's something about gathering in smaller communities where the depth of burden-bearing, encouraging, and, and motivating one another to love and good deeds can go far beyond what we can experience here on a Sunday morning. And so find ways to connect in deeper spiritual community. Find ways to connect in community because you need it. Find ways to connect in community because others need it. This isn't just about, sometimes we come to a topic like this and it's about what I, just we think about what I need. But we need to think about community because we need to show up for what other people need as well. It's mutual ministry. It's giving and receiving. One of the main ways we seek to facilitate this kind of connection here at Faith is through our group ministry. And so if you're not connected to community, my encouragement would be 
to, to take a risk and sign up for one of our groups this spring semester. There's a couple of ways to do this. I mean, Rooted is a great way to get started with community. Rooted is about connecting with God, the church, i.e. community, and your purpose, right? And so Rooted is, is it's, not, it's, it's a great front door to groups. It's not the only way to get connected to group, but, but it's one way. And uh, Rooted will start on uh, January 30th. It's going to meet on Monday nights. The registration for Rooted is already open. It's on the, if you just go to our homepage on the website, you'll see a link to Rooted that'll take you to information about Rooted. So that, that is one possibility. Next Sunday, we will also be making available all of our other open groups. And so if Rooted doesn't work or you've done it, uh, my encouragement to you would be to, to look at the opportunities for, for other groups and, and, and sign up for one, take a risk. Now, in encouraging you to do that, I want to acknowledge a tension that I feel. And the tension is this, that uh, probably for some of you, you're going to look at the opportunities of groups, and for some reason, it still doesn't work. The days and the times or the circumstances, there's still not a group for you. And uh, I feel that tension. But my encouragement to you would be to still reach out to me and say, Brian, I want to get connected to community. Help me figure this out. And let's trust God together and figure out a way to get all of us connected to community. Okay? I also want to make clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that unless you're in one of face official groups, you're missing out on community. I'm not saying that, right? The goal is to be connected to a community of spiritual friends where the one another's are happening. And some of you, maybe you're not in a group, but over the years you've developed this group of spiritual friends that you gather with in a regular way and the one another's are happening. That's the goal, right? To be in that kind of community. The goal isn't to have everyone in one of our official groups. The goal is that we all be living in biblical community, okay? So don't hear me say, oh, I've got this over here where I'm thriving in community, but I guess I need to go do this, right? The goal is to find community. Let me say this one last thing for those of you who are experiencing community. The question for you to consider. Is there any way, if you are experiencing community, is there any way that you can offer what you're experiencing to others? Is there any way that you can offer what you're experiencing to others? And there's no pressure here. There's no guilt. This is all about you just talking to God about it. But is there any way you can offer to others what you're experiencing? And that may mean opening up a group. That may mean opening up a circle of friends. That may mean inviting someone over for a meal. That might just be mean opening up your house for hospitality. But is there some way that you can offer what you're experiencing to others. I think that reflects the heart of Jesus, that we never kind of just look about what, at me and what I'm experiencing and how good it is, but we always have a thought for the others who are not experiencing it. So is there any way that you can offer what you're experiencing to others? Just something for you to consider. Find ways to connect to community. Find ways to help others connect to community. Today we're celebrating communion as we gather for communion, we, we gather, and we call it the Lord's table, right? And uh, we gather not as individuals, but we gather as the body of Christ. We, we gather as brothers and sisters of Christ. We gather as a community. Over the last week or so, we've gathered with families and friends, and we've sat around a table, right? And, it, and it's obvious when you, you pull up to a table, you're doing that as a community. And, and, and this is called the Lord's table. I wish we had a big old table. We could sort of gather around it, right? Because that's part of the symbolism here. We, we gather as a family to share this. It, it, we, we are a community. 
And so think about that. But let me encourage you in this moment to, to, to take some time to reflect and God to search your heart in terms of how you think about community. Uh, is there any way that you've bought into the cultural lie that faith is something you do alone? Ask God to search your heart about that. If you know that you're not experiencing the kind of community God wants, take some time in these moments to, to pray. Ask God, God, lead me to that place. Lead me to those friends. I would love to just give you some time to ponder and reflect on these things. Before we eat the bread and, and drink the, the, the cup, uh, I'm going to pray, and I want to give you some time to kind of talk to God about these things. At faith, we invite all who have trusted in Jesus for salvation to join us in communion. Uh, you don't have to be a member here. You don't have to be a regular attender. But if you're a believer in Jesus, we'd invite you to join with us in this celebration. Hopefully, you grab the communion supplies as you came in. If you didn't, feel free to slide out and grab those now. Uh, we know that some are here this morning, and, and you've not yet come to a place where you've trusted in Jesus for salvation. Uh, we are glad you're here. We're glad you're, you're thinking and pondering about who God is, what God offers you. We would encourage you just to just take some time to pray. Uh, along with us during these moments. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we're so grateful that you entered into this world for the purpose ultimately of going to the cross. You offered your life, your, your broken body, your shed blood, that we might be forgiven, that we might have life. You did that, that, we, that you might bring the church into existence, the body of Christ, a community of believers. And we thank you for that. In these moments now, God, would you speak to us about these things? Take some time just to, to talk to God, uh, whatever's on your heart about these matters. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, as we move into this new year, may we experience uh, all the life and the benefit and the the growth that comes from truly living in community. And so, Father, help us to to move towards it. Um, God, we pray that you would would so move here among us and in our our, our church that uh, you would create more and more places and contexts for us to connect, whether that's with a group or with a friend or a couple of friends. Father, may we really experience the one another's and, and all the, the, the growth that you experience, that we can experience it and the things you want to do in our lives through one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. a new song just encourage you to sit and listen to this ponder the things that this song has to say
Pride says we can make it on our own. But the truth is simple. We need people. It's not always easy. It's gonna get messy. It's hard, but I'm learning. It's necessary. If you want to grow, then you can't go it alone, friend. You gotta open the door and let someone in. You gotta let someone in. Cause the highs are a little bit higher. And the lows make a little more sense When you got someone in your corner That you know you can live it with Yeah, the highs are a little bit higher And the lows make a little more sense When you got someone in your corner That you know you can live it with Yeah, life is complicated Pride says we can make it on, but the truth is simple. We need people. Let's stand together. Should endeavor. 
never to shake he'll never no never no never in this prayer. Um, if you came prepared to give, there's offering boxes at the back of the room as you leave, and many of you have chosen to give online. We thank you for that. That's an option as well. But let's pray this out loud together as an act of worship this morning. Lord, you give us everything that is good, our homes, our food, our families, and even our lives. All that we own and all that we are belong to you. And since you give us so much, we thank you by sharing our time, talents, and our money with others in need. Use these gifts to show your love to people throughout our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Think about the reality of loneliness in the world and what God lets us experience in terms of community. We really have something great to offer the world. And so as I think about 2023, may we experience a deepening community that we offer to lonely people around us. Receive this New Year's benediction. May the God who gave us this past year and the Savior who walked at our side each day and the Spirit who filled us with life abundant grace this new year with peace, hope, and 